Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and can double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're talking with Buck Parker. Dr. Buck is a general and trauma surgeon at St. Mark's Hospital in Salt Lake City, Utah. He's also a speaker and a medical expert for the media. In 2015, he was a castaway and medical expert on the NBC and Bear Grylls reality TV series, The Island. He's also a self-proclaimed tech nerd and entrepreneur since 2007 when he built a multi-million dollar web business using internet marketing and Google search algorithms. His mission now is to harness his technology and medical knowledge to drive social change while helping individuals unlock their personal greatness. Welcome to the show, Buck. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on. I think that you've got this interesting background between the medical side and being, you know, in the system, working in hospitals and things like that, and then this entrepreneurial side. Can you give us some background on you and and how you, sort of your journey and how you got into all this? I did my general surgery residency in 2004 to 2010. That's a five-year program, but I did a year of research. During that research year, I always, you know, was drawn to, my, my family's been in small business. They had a restaurant and a motel for 20 some years, 28 years or something like that. They just sold a couple years ago. And I always wanted my own business. And and when the, the interweb came around, I was like, this is so cool. Like I just, you know, maybe I'll make a business and make like a hundred dollars yeah. a day. Just yeah. like, cause I was a resident. I was like making, you know, no money. I'm like, if I can make a hundred bucks a day during my residency program, like that would be amazing. And so in your residency, super busy. You don't have a lot of time. And then on my research project uh, was a year year long project. So I started researching, you know, internet businesses, basically how to make money online, the whole thing, you know. So I went down that rabbit hole, and essentially, long story short, I built a business around being an affiliate marketing website. So I sold P90X. A lot of people know P90X. Remember from the 2000s and 2010s and stuff like that. It's a company called Beachbody. They were like a um, network marketing, you know, multi-level marketing thing. But I just, all I did was want to sell their products for, you know, 25% commission. So they let me do that. And I ended up kind of hitting the sweet spot with Google ads. So I learned about Google ads. I started paying, you know, buying ads, essentially. I was the first person besides that company to buy Google ads for those products. And so it was paying super low clicks, like 10 cents a click. But those customers were already watching their infomercial because they were like a big infomercial business. And then they were moving to network marketing. So they were watching the infomercial going online. Just this is like 2007 when people are getting more comfortable with buying stuff online. And then they figured out, I don't have to call in on the infomercial and talk to somebody and get me a pitch. So I'm going to go online and buy it. So they were going online, seeing my ad, clicking on the ad, already sold on the thing. You know, I had a nice website mm. and buying it. And so I was making like 40 bucks a sale off of that. So I was, you know, and it was like a high, high conversion rate because they were already sold on a thing, yeah. right? So that's all I did. I didn't have like an email list. I wasn't, you know, following up or nothing. And, and so we did really good. The first month I sold like 30 or $35,000 worth of, of product. And the company called me and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm just marketing, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh my God. In the meantime, I was doing lots of SEO. I was like writing my own articles because I had used the product. So I was writing the articles, doing SEO. I learned about all that stuff. And um, backlinking and like write, you know, writing articles. And you get, at the time, you're like backlinking to your website with the keywords and all this. And so that stuff kicked in in about two, three months down the line and started doing really well. And, and then Christmas came around. I think I did like... 75 or 
$80,000 in, in like 15 or 17 days. Cause I, I like cut it off at, you know, December 17th cause I couldn't deliver it uh, in time for Christmas. So I like shut the thing down instead of just like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. Right. So I was like, shut the thing down, like no more orders instead of just saying, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take your money, but you're not going to get it at, you know, before Christmas. And so, yeah, I did that. And then um, the following year I went back to residency. I couldn't quite keep up with that. Uh, so I like, basically I hired my mom. I hired like a person to take the orders and fulfill the orders and all that stuff. I uh, ended up getting a drop shipping warehouse. So I would buy the product, ship it to the warehouse. This was all like, you know, there was no Amazon wasn't doing this mm -hmm. and stuff. And so I had to buy this warehouse, you know, make a deal with them. Excel spreadsheets had to like be automatically generated every day and sent to the thing. Like, so I had to build software for that. It was really an interesting time. But so now all that stuff is automated and you don't have to do any of it. And it's like, you know, Amazon, click on the affiliate yeah, market. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I started. And then I got on that Barry Grills show in 2015. And that's how I started like social media. So I shut that stuff down. I dabbled with some other stuff. I like built some courses. Like I actually built like a weight loss course at one point. And now I have a study course for kids that want to go into like medicine or just having difficulty mm. in college. So, and I still run that. It does pretty good. So but in 2015, I got on that show and then I started getting a ton of messages after the show. Kids were like, hey, I saw you on the show and uh, I live in the Philippines. I live in Africa. I live in wherever it is. I want to be a doctor too. Like, can you give me tips? Or kids in the United States. Um, I went to a Caribbean school because I, I didn't do very good in the first couple of years of college. I didn't really know that I wanted to go into medicine. Once I decided, I kind of screwed myself up too much to fix that. So I went to Caribbean school and then they saw me like, hey, you got into a surgical residency and that, you know, like, wow, I want to do this, you know, give me the tips. So I just started making videos, answering those questions, put them on YouTube and, and they started doing really well. The algorithm liked them and the kids liked them. So that's kind of how that started. And then I said, well, maybe I should just do this stuff like on a regular basis, give myself a year and just say, okay, I'm going to do this content. I'm going to do Instagram. I was getting lots of traction on Instagram and YouTube. And so I just stuck with that. And Facebook, I wasn't at the time, wasn't getting a lot of traction. So I just kind of, you know, like doubled it up where everything posted to Facebook, but I didn't really get the engagement and stuff. So from there, uh, I built a, built a community. Then I said, what do you guys want? <laughs> you know, like, well, can I monetize this? Like, what do you guys want? Oh, we want to learn how to study and all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'll build a study course. So I, so I built a studies course. We launched that. I had like 2,000 subscribers. Um, I initially did it like a yearly membership and now I just have, it's like 97 bucks and that's it. I did a little bit like, you know, like a $12 upgrade per month kind of thing for a while and all that. But uh, it ends up just being like, you know, I have another job. And so mm -hmm. I, I just decided let's just sell it. You know, basically what I'm doing now is just, I make my YouTube videos. I have the course, I plug the course at the end of the video and say, Hey, if you guys, you know, having trouble studying, this is what I'm doing, blah, 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 check it out. And that's, um, you know, just sells itself on the website. So, yeah. How did you, let me, let me ask you, how did you get involved in the Bear Grill show? Like, did it just kind of just pop up? Like that's, I think that's really interesting. How'd you get involved in that? Yeah. My friend was, um, she did some of that stuff, like associate producing and things like that. And so she would get casting calls all the time. And she sent it to me and said, Hey, they're looking for a doctor on the show. Like it's an, it's a survival thing. We didn't know it was Bear Grylls actually it seemed to be like sort of survivor, but a little bit different. She's like, you know, they're looking for a doctor and blah, blah, blah. So I just, yeah, sure. I'll send an email and a picture in. And then they like me, they needed somebody to kind of manage the triage. If things happened on the, 
on the island. And so they like my background and all that stuff. Mm. So, yeah. Were you, were you on the show on the show or were you kind of in, in the background? No, I was on the show. So that the difference between that show and like a survivor was that the cast members actually, we had the cameras and there was, they didn't want anybody else. They didn't want staff and production on the island with you. They just wanted us by ourselves. So it was kind of like a mix between what's that uh, naked and afraid where mm. they're just shooting themselves and then survivor where they, you know, play games and the production is there and stuff like that. But, but we didn't have any games and stuff. It was just pure survival. It was 14 guys and uh, it was 28 days on that thing. We didn't know how long it was going to be. They, they said anywhere from two weeks to six weeks. And so then after two weeks, you're just like every day, you're like, are we, are we leaving? Or like, what's going on? You know, so it's kind of an interesting thing, but it was fun. It was a great, great experience really to, to um, go through like starvation <laughs> and all that stuff. Does that mean that you were sort of a semi-contestant as well? Or were you kind of just there taking care yeah, of there was, us? There was, no, no, it was, I was, yeah, just one of the cast members who was, you know, surviving on the island. But I, because mm-hmm. of my background, they essentially, I kind of took care of the guys like, hey, you know, they come to me every day. Oh, I got this or that, oh, this bug bite, is this going to get infected? You know, we had five... I think five of the 14 leave for some reason. Only one of them wasn't medically related. So they were, it was, you know, like the first three days we had two guys get heat stroke and leave because of that. And so that was more of my, I was, yeah, cast, but I was also like, you know, if there was a problem and someone needed to come off where they needed medical attention, real medical attention, you know, anything that involved an IV, then, then I would call and say, Hey, you know, this guy's got heat stroke or whatever. And they need, you need to come in and, if they needed something like that, then they would, that was their removal basically. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. How did you, how did you navigate that being uh, a physician and then marrying that up with being on TV and sort of uh, aspects of sensei being sensationalized, maintaining professionalism? Like there would be a weird dynamic there, right? With being a physician, yeah, well, some, but also doing a show. Idiot for doing it. And they tell me that. So you have to like, you know, kind of have a little bit of thick skin, but, um, I, you know, I've always done things a little bit differently. I I don't really subscribe to the normal kind of physician role. I I don't think that we have to be all stuffy and not fun. So Mm. uh, I like doing things out of the box. This was one of those things. And it was a great experience as a human being, number one. And then it was, I thought it was really cool as a physician. I could understand starvation and what my patients are going through when, you know, we mm. don't let them eat or their, their GI tract, it has surgery and we're starting them for five or six days and what exactly is going, going on and with my, you know, understanding of anatomy and physiology and everything. You know, I, I think that just made me a better physician, honestly. So, you, but you always have haters. You always have people saying this was, you're an idiot. You're, Oh, you're, you think you're a reality star, you're a moron and all this other stuff. Okay. Well, that's, that's your opinion. That's okay. I, I might think you're a moron for being an academic. Like I, I, you know, well, that's just my opinion. It doesn't matter. It's okay. You know, hate is a part of the, part of the game. The moment you start yeah. to do anything of note, typically people are going to start piping up and that's when the fun begins. When you overcome that <laughs> phase and you realize that they've probably got some stuff going on if they're willing to judge someone that they do not know and do not understand what's going on in your head because that's the thing when people start to get into the social media world immediately inevitably if you're doing things i believe if you're doing things right like if you're polarizing enough you're going to piss someone off and if you're Uh, not then that's an issue because that means that you're being too vanilla and vanilla doesn't sell 
<laughs> so, and I just did, I probably over, I did overdo it the other day, but I said what I wanted to say. Uh, but it just, it took off like a rocket. Like I could see that it was going to be, it started to go viral. And I was like, I'm getting too much for this. Like I'm going to lose my job. So I pulled it. But, um, and I've had a few like that and it's really tough in medicine because that is, you know, there is a professional like standard that people hold you to. And not only, not only people as in patients and stuff, but also your, your medical societies and they get, Mm. these guys are not so much like into marketing right and they don't really mm-hmm. understand that and so with me i really connected with kids because i like to use profanity when you know as a fun spicy something in my stuff and uh people don't like that as from a somebody in a white coat mm-hmm. right but the kids love it like that's yeah. why my videos took off for youtube and that's why i got any traction on instagram and youtube and all that stuff because i was like connecting with them but, you know, you get to a certain point and it gets too, too big where it gets into the medical society because they're not like really paying attention to you until it starts to go out. And then when they start to pick it up, these got these academic like surgeons and all that stuff are like, you know, what are you doing? You're ruining the profession. I'm going to report you and you know, get really pissed off. And so that's, that's an interesting like, you know, thing to deal with. I mean, it's not that interesting. It's <laughs> when somebody says, I'm going to report you to the medical board for, you know, for being too vulgar, like, you're like, okay, well, that's not really part of, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I actually said, so if I'm a doctor, I can't see, say certain words. Is that what you're implying there? Like, it seems like a little bit of a, mm-hmm. of a, of a club and everybody's got to do the same stuff. Well, if everybody's doing the same stuff, nobody's really unique. And how are you guys marketing yourselves in 2020? Like, uh, you know, it went well, but it went, almost went too well. Right. Yeah. Well, group, <laughs> like, group think is a, is a big issue in healthcare and especially in the medical community, right. Of breaking outside the mold. There's too many people that we're all saying the same stuff and there's no outside influence. And so it just keeps this momentum going, which is, good for consistency in the short term but the issue of that is it hampers progress and if kids are not being connected with because we're not speaking to them then now you're influencing a generation in the wrong direction and it perpetuates things so my view is is we need to be having people like yourself who are breaking the mold who are standing up and just doing things because that allows people to have discussions and think about stuff differently, especially if you're creating a positive impact. So tell me more about what you're doing with the kids and how you kind of got into that. Because a lot of health professionals have these areas of interest or these areas they want to make an impact in. How did you take what you were doing? Because I I bet using, you know, the Bear Grylls show and all that kind of stuff would have helped in terms of sort of influencer status to leverage some of that into your audiences. But how did you pivot that in terms of, I'm now going to uh, be making a difference? Because you're now especially wanting to use social media to, to push change with people. Right. So how are you, yeah. how are you kind of bringing all that together? Well, I, you know, it started with them asking me questions. Hey, how do I do X? I'm, I live so-and-so I, I didn't do very good. And this is like mostly the kids that watch me or, you know, follow whoever are, they are not confident that they can be a doctor, but they really want to be one. And, and they see my story where, I was doing really bad. I got like a 1.7 GPA one one semester in, in undergrad. And then I ended up going to school and getting a residency and stuff like that. And so that's, you know, it's a good story and like, you know, kind of fits all the marketing things too. But so it started with that. And then 
more answered those questions on Instagram and provided mm-hmm. some inspiration and things like that. And then you build the community and then you hear, you know, what they want from you and you can ask them questions. You, know, you got 150,000 people or followers, whatever it is, and you can ask them questions, what they want and, and what they're interested in. And, and you can make videos and nobody watches them and you go, okay, they're not interested in that topic and they're interested in something else. But, but now I, I just, I'm kind of in a phase where I'm not really trying to push any agenda specifically. Uh, I'm just trying to keep that community engaged and, um, and just provide good content and stuff and not really pushing, you know, any sales, any course. Like I do the Jeff Walker product launch formula sort of launch two week launch thing one, one time. And, and it did really well. It sold a ton and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't really do that anymore. I'm not really pushing it. And I just want to like keep them engaged and Mm. inspire kids to, you know, go into medicine. I felt like for a long time, everybody wanted to go into tech. All the smart kids want to go into tech or finance because that's where you make all the money. But I feel like medicine hasn't really gone through a technological revolution. You know, the internet went through that in the 2000s and now we're getting a, a ton of different tech and social media and all these things. And medicine like hasn't hit it yet. You know, there's, mm. there's a- AI and AR and all this and it's coming, but it's yeah. not really here in medicine and it's going to be really, really cool. And it does. And so I, I, I just want, those kids to know that. And if there's the smart and bright kids are going to get into medicine, then it'll, it'll be even better. So that's kind of my, you know, overall goal right now is just to inspire those kids to be like, Hey, this is a, this is a good thing to do with your life. And it's a great career. You get to help people. You get to look, you know, when you're 80, you'll probably look back and say, Hey, I helped the planet. This is great. Mm. Instead of just saying like, I want to go into tech cause I want to make a bunch of money, you know, like be Google. I want to be Zuckerberg or whatever, stuff like that. And Zuckerberg 10 years later, it was real cool for a while. But, you know, for me, I, I feel like social media is like part of what's degrading society right now. It's like really having a tough time, you know, with all this stuff. I mean, people are, with COVID, people are just so upset and angry about everything. And, and I think everyone's kind of getting fed up with it. And you just feel that like, it's just palpable on a, a, lot, a lot of social media. And when you say something that they don't like, it's it used to be, Mostly, I used to get mostly positive comments and the people that were, didn't like it or didn't agree with it, they just not say anything. Now it's just like, they will rip you a new one. Like every People feel second. like they can. Social is just, it just amplifies people. If you had everyone in a giant room and everyone was saying some different stuff, it'd be the exact same situation. That's essentially what you've got is you've got a, a boiler yeah. room and an opportunity for people to have interactions with no consequence and they're feeling more and more confident to just say stuff. And everyone feels like their opinion should be valued, which is just not the case. Like just because you have an opinion doesn't mean it's valuable or that I have to listen or that anyone has to take you seriously, but people feel offended when their opinion is not heard. And that's not how opinions work. Opinions are, you can have an opinion and everyone can not like it and that's okay. And which is what's happening ironically. But I think too many people are feeling like they should be validated for what they think about stuff. And the amount of stuff that's shared kind of off topic here, but this is not the right stat, but something like 80% of people will share a social media post based on the headline alone. They will not click it, read it, check it. They'll just share it. So what happens is people see stuff on social media and then they just share it because they think it's it's real. And that's a major problem is it's really, for me, it's just showing us that the average person does not think about things for longer than five seconds and they just like to share an opinion. And so when they see something and it, it enforces a 
a belief they have about something that's based on nothing, they yeah. will share it because they want to feel like they're validated. Yeah. And that's right. super evident at the moment. Yeah, it's. A, it, I mean, I, I, it comes back to me, to, to everybody feeling like they should be validated and they, their opinion is, needs to be shared and all that stuff where are you valuable to that community? Like, do you have mm. anything, you know, or have you done something in that community that, that makes you valuable and that makes your word that we should listen to it? Or have you done zero and you're just, mm. you know, popping off for fun entitled <laughs> what I was the word I was looking for. I feel like, yeah. you know, a lot of people just feel like entitled to share it and, there's nothing behind it. So yeah, when you're talking about nurturing your audience and things like that, I think that what people need to realize is that's actually the strategy. You know what I mean? Like you don't have yeah. to sell an audience. You need to build an audience. And the longer you give without asking, the more credibility that you have, the more authority you have so that when you do ask, there's this feeling of reciprocity and people go, well, I've got all this value. Yeah. I want yeah. to participate because if yeah. you're just selling all the time, people go there going, oh, he's just going to sell me something again. And so they don't even listen to the content, even though the content is valuable and the pitch is small. The fact that they're constantly hearing a pitch makes them feel yeah. like they're being sold to, and then they don't listen to everything else. So yeah. it's really a, an example of how we need to be giving value without asking. And the irony is you get more asking back yeah. on the other side. How yeah. do I work with you? How do I do this? You know? Yeah. Did you ever follow Frank Kern? Yeah. Know, Frank? Here and there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the one that hey, sticks in my head because he's always saying, you know, you got, it's like a bank of goodwill, right? You put a bunch of goodwill in the bank. And then when you ask, you're withdrawing, you know, mm. and you can't withdraw too much or you got nothing left. Mm. I don't really follow the marketers anymore. I, I was following really heavily for a long time. And I think most people said like, you know, 25% or even less asking, you know, with 75% of your stuff, you should be your content, you should be giving and 25% of, you know, selling. So, and I don't, I don't even do that much. Like I, I feel like if you do a real sales pitch for me in what I'm doing for me, if I do a real sales pitch, people start to go like, ah, you know, you're a salesman and not like a doctor, what's mm -hmm. going on here? Now I, I don't have an email list or I don't follow that whole, you know, any type of schedule or I don't try to cram them into a launch and a time frame and all that stuff. Cause I, I did that stuff and it works fantastic. But for me, I just, I felt like eh, it's too salesy for me. And if I just give content all the time and make these videos and at the end and be like, Hey, I got this thing. If you are this type of person, it might help you go check it out. And nobody really balks at that. And I, and I you know, started selling more. Honestly, mm, 100%. on a more consistent basis. Yeah. You got to know your audience, right? If yeah. you're marketing to entrepreneurs, we understand as entrepreneurs, you have to spend money to make money. So we just buy stuff. So we're mm -hmm. looking for the pitch. It's like, can you hurry up and sell me something now? Because we know <laughs> the value is in that thing, right? Yeah. It's like, you're telling me all this stuff. Sounds great. Like, cool. Can I throw money at you? So I can actually just get the thing. Whereas yeah. the average person especially in a, in a health context, I think they're not in that same space. So they're not wanting you to come along and, and hard sell them some stuff and push a product. Yeah. They want to feel like they've made this decision to go further in and it feels like they've done it. Whereas on the entrepreneur side, it's like we're waiting for you to throw us something so we can actually yeah. get into it. And so that soft yeah. sell is important. It needs to be there because the, I think the, the ratio of the goodwill jar is it needs to be bigger for the yeah. average person, especially in a health 
thing because that's how they perceive you affects how much they're going to trust you. And if they see you as the person giving value, then they'll trust you. Whereas in the marketing world, I need to see minimum amount of value to then actually go and buy the thing because I know that it's probably legitimate because I've seen one or two things. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, we forget yeah, that. I, and I feel, I feel better personally about it too, right? And you just go like, okay, well, you know, at the end, like two, two seconds. And almost it's like almost not there. And then they go like, what, is, what do you have? And they're like, mm-hmm. search it up, you know, like, and so it's not like, oh, you got to follow this link to go to this thing and get this price. And mm-hmm. you're like, hey, let's check this thing out. And they're like, well, what is it? And then they can go check it out. It's almost like a backdoor. I, I think they probably respect you more for that. Yeah. And audience is above all the most important thing. If you are nurturing an audience and building an audience, like the reason, you know, all the the famous doctors, Dr. Phil, et cetera, et cetera, Tony Robbins, Oprah, all these people have audiences. So they could come out with anything and people are going to buy it because they've built so much goodwill along the way. Like, and I say this all the time, like if Oprah opened a massage therapy practice, do you think she'd be busy? It's like, of course she would because she's Oprah. So people would just want, doesn't matter how terrible she is at doing it. If she just suddenly piped up and said, hey guys, I'm, I'm a surgeon and I've done some course, people would go and see her for surgery. You know what I mean? Because there's just that, <laughs> even if she's yeah. not qualified, because it's like a trust thing, right? <laughs> and that comes from the audience and the goodwill. And so yep. it's transferable. If you're giving to the audience in this way, you can transfer that to the next thing if they trust you, because you can mm-hmm. pivot and they'll follow you because you're known as you. Does that make sense? Like you're not the certain product person. You're not the brand. So for example, if you're a car company and now you're starting to sell dishwashers, it's going to be like, that's weird. Like, I guess a BMW dishwasher. I didn't know they made dishwashers. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you sell a car, they'll go, oh, you're great because I know them for the car. Whereas with a personal brand where it's the person, they're going to pivot with whatever you want to pivot towards because they trust you. And I think that's what we need to realize. And as health professionals, we have that opportunity more than most because we inherently have value to give and we have a status and we help people. And so it's a lot easier to actually leverage that if you do it right with social media. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. For sure. Look, this has been uh, an awesome episode. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Where can our audience connect with you online? Most things are Dr. Buck Parker. So just D-R, D-C-K-P-A-R-K-E-R. And then um, YouTube, you search my name, Buck Parker's, and you'll find me, of course. So mostly Instagram and YouTube. Yeah. Some Facebook a little bit, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah. you. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it as it helps us get our episodes out to more people just like you who want to know how to increase their revenue, impact more people and build businesses that work for the lifestyle they want. Now, I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn the secrets to success in your health business. So I have something special for you just for checking out the episode. Now, if you're a health professional, coach or trainer in business, and you're serious about growing a profitable, impactful business, then pay attention because as a listener of the show, I want you to win. And so I've created a host of resources available exclusively for listeners of the show. So if you're tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing, and sales all on your own, and you're ready to just implement what's already proven to work rather than reinventing the wheel, I want you right now to go and check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. That's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. And there you'll find over $5,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching available only for listeners of the show. Again, that's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. There I'll give you resources on everything from how to acquire 10 times more of your ideal clients using social media and paid ads, even referrals, how to increase your client conversion into packages at an 80 to 90% conversion rate like me, 
how to retain your clients for longer, getting them better results and making them happier, how to increase your prices and charge a premium to work with you, and how you can build a six, multi-six, even seven-figure practice, just like I did, but with a tenth of the time and a tenth of the effort. What I want you to realize is that everything I teach comes from exactly what I did to have success and still have success in my own health business, and I want to share that with you so you can have success too. So go check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider right now and let me help you win big in your health business. Also remember to subscribe for two episodes every week full of the secrets to have success in your health business as well as leave us a review so we know what you thought of the show. And I'll see you on the next episode.